10-5, touchdown, Arkansas State. Culver is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Amir, coast to coast, lays it home with the right hand, and he's fouled. Welcome to the Second to None podcast, the A-State podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in once again to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Matt and Brad with you on a jam-packed edition of the show today. And a lot to get to, and we've got a special guest coming up in the next segment. Getting ready to play his final two home games at A-State this week. Senior guard Marquise Eaton. You know, when he leaves here, and he's already... In this spot, he's the all-time leader in games played at Arkansas State. Yeah, it'll be different. Fast forwarding down the line and seeing you know time when Marquis sitting here. You know, look, I actually had, I think I had a couple of classes at Arkansas State with Christian Willis my last year. <laughs> uh, so that if- yeah, see Will <laughs> and Eaton, the two honorees for Senior Day coming up on Friday night. Two really big parts of this program. See well, Will wrapping up his sixth year at the school, and, and Keese has been here the last five. Coach Bellato, as we recorded this, he did a, his Zoom, his weekly Zoom a day early since their schedule's running a day early. And, and you know, he, he already said he thinks he'll have a hard time keeping it together Friday during those two guys' senior day. I believe that. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. The men had the Texas road swing this past week, playing at Texas State on Thursday, then at Texas Arlington Saturday. It was a big challenge Thursday night, going on the road, taking on the first place team in the league, a Texas State team that A-State had defeated in Jonesboro last month. But Texas State had been hot. They had won five in a row. They were trying to set an attendance record. They didn't do that, but they still had over 5,300 there. It was a wide out. It was a good college atmosphere the other night. And I think that crowd that they announced of over 5,300 was third or fourth largest in in their history. What was interesting watching the television broadcast of that game, the parts of it I saw, was that you never got a sense for what the crowd was like. Because even – I mean, they shot – any crowd shots they they took were so tight that it still it made you think there wasn't anybody there, and so it, it never really got a sense for what that place looked like on TV. It was a game that was made a lot harder for the Red Wolves because of the turnovers, and that was the main theme in this game. Twenty-one turnovers. 13 of those came in the first half. It was the second most turnovers A-State had committed in a game this season, and it's just really, really tough trying to win that way when you turn the ball over that much against anybody, especially a really good team on the road like that. Thursday's pretty easy to sum up, and you and I talked about this Friday. We were kind of chopping it up. It's the first time this team has been full strength and not giving itself a chance to win since Moorhead State, you know, way back whenever that was here. Every other game, if they've been full strength, that if they haven't won, they've had a chance to win. Kick South Alabama out because they get, you know, they were down uh, what I would call three and a half starters in the South Alabama game. So you just kind of set it off to the side. Every other conference loss had certainly been 
right there within reach, one in overtime, one by one, one by two, this and that and the other. So uh, it was going to be interesting to see how this team bounced back from a rare kind of, I mean, sort of laying an egg. Yeah, Texas State won the game 84-67. And you're right, A-State was playing with, with everybody available on Thursday night, which w- was a change from the game before. Keon Wesley had missed the game at South Alabama due to his back spasms. Desi Sills had that lower back injury against South Al that kept him out. He was back. Caleb Fields had turned his ankle in the first half of the South Alabama game. He came back for this Texas swing. Now, I don't think any of those guys were really at 100%, but they were out there trying to contribute. And after the loss, there was a long team meeting after the game. And I want to say this because, you know, our post-game interview on our radio broadcast, win or lose, you always expect Coach Bellotto to come out and talk. And he has never let us down in that area. He will always come out and talk after the game. It's important to him. But this was a game where there was a very long meeting afterward. And in our role, and I know you've been in the same spot as well, you try to stretch out the post game as long as you can to give them that opportunity. And that's exactly what I did. But at some point, you have to sign off because you don't know if he's two minutes away or if there's still another 20 minutes in the locker room. So what happened was I ended up signing off, and then he came out like two minutes later, and he was about to, to come over and visit with me. He was not avoiding nope. that post-game interview whatsoever. They just had a whole lot to talk about. He actually even addressed that in that Zoom Monday as well, by the way. Talking about not making it out for radio. And one thing that happened in that post-game meeting that Coach Pilato shared with us Saturday, those players held themselves accountable. And that's something that seems a little bit different about this team. Coach Pilato will stand up after the loss, and he did this on Thursday night in front of the team, and, and he says, hey, this one's on me. And then... He said Desi Sills was the first player to stand up and say, no, coach, this is on me. This is on us. We've got to do a better job. And Desi wasn't the only person that stood up. And you like to see that from a team. This team seems to do a lot of self-policing. And not that the coaches aren't willing to or able to. It's that a lot of times it seems this team beats them to it. How many We've heard stories all year long of this team dealing with itself after a bad practice. This team dealing with itself after a, a tough loss. Even back to that South Alabama game, Coach Blotto said last week, hey, I was willing to walk into the locker room and go, guys, you know what? Look, we were down two starters already. Caleb went down. Norshad was in foul trouble. Let's set that one off to the side. And he didn't give that speech because he walked in the locker room and the guys that played were disappointed, thought they should have and could have won the game. So this team is special in that standpoint that uh, they they take care of a lot of business themselves. Well, it's one thing to talk the talk, though, in that situation after the game, leading up to the game. But to respond the way they did Saturday, I think, showed us a lot because on a day where the offense wasn't really there, A-State went two for 20 from three-point range at UTA Saturday. They had their best defensive effort of the season, allowing 49 points in a 58-49 win. The 49 points were the fewest allowed in a conference game by the Red Wolves since 2017. 
held UTA to 29% shooting. That was the lowest opponent field goal percentage in conference play since 2014. You know, a lot of guys stepped up to make this happen, but it was good to see the Red Wolves come out and, and just play suffocating defense the other day against a UTA team that's been pretty good at times this year and was playing their senior day game. Well, a team that's really talented. You know, we look at what they've got with Azor and what they've got protecting the rim. And I mean, there's, there's a lot of pieces there with that UTA team and to, to go out and it'd be one thing to say, boy, a state bounced back in big fashion, came out shot 55% from the field and just jumped up and won. That'd be all well and good, but it's all, but to see this, this team with its back against the wall, dropping three straight chatter, picking up. Oh no, is this a late season collapse to go out and then not shoot it well and go win a road game, which not very many people in this league are doing very often, was a, it was, it's quite a response. You mentioned David Azor, and he's been the leading scorer in the Sun Belt this year. In fact, he's averaging 25 a game in conference play. And the two times that the Red Wolves have played him, they've held him well under that average. He had 18 at A-State in the game in Jonesboro that the Red Wolves won, but he was 4 of 12 from the field, and he turned it over six times. In this game, he finished 3 for 16, but two of those were threes that were late. He was one for his first 14, just Mm. made things really, really uncomfortable for David Azor, and I thought that was the biggest key defensively. And then at the same time, UTA shows this zone the entire game, and... You know, after the way the Red Wolves had been shooting the the previous couple of games, you would expect that. But what happened was the Red Wolves found holes in that zone. Norshad O'Meara had a monster game Saturday at 22 points, 16 boards, three steals, a couple of blocks. But he was 9 of 11 from the field. Really, I don't remember many of those buckets at all coming around the basket. Most of them were jump shots right around the foul line where they'd hit him right there in the middle of that zone and he'd turn and knock it down. And that mid-range jump shot is, is just another facet of Norshad's game that we're starting to see more of now. By the way, uh, that's also a shot you're really comfortable with Antoine Jackson taking, that 15-footer. He's he, good in that he spot. He hit it, too. So, yeah, that's a, that's a really good weapon to be able to put if somebody's going to try to zone you if you're not hitting. Because you know, Coach Blotto broke it down. He's you know, two for 20 from the three-point line. And as they went back and graded the film, they called, they deemed, the coaching staff deemed 17 of the 20 open looks. And he went two for 17 in open looks. And I think he's pretty confident that Wednesday – I think he would take his chances with his team getting 17 open looks from three and doing better than they're going to hit more than two two. of them. I was really impressed, too, with a couple of guys in particular and just their toughness. We mentioned Keon Wesley. He's still dealing with those back spasms. He was grimacing at one point in the first half. You could tell he was in a lot of pain. But he left the game. The official blew the whistle so he could get out. And then – He came back in later on. He continued to play through the pain. And then Marquise Davis went down with what looked to be a a pretty bad arm or shoulder injury. It looked like he was done for the day. That was in the first half. He came back and played. He was out there to start the second half. He played 17 minutes. He had 6.6 assists and no turnovers. And, And my guess is, based on the game here against UTA and Jonesboro, 
I guess if we went, if I because I didn't get to see this game, it's overlapping with the women's game. So if I go watch it and I watch those stretches where Azor's not hitting shots, I bet he's got Marquise Davis on him a lot of the time. A State now 16 and 9 overall, 7 and 6 in league play. They're in sixth place in the Sun Belt. Of course, the goal is to win both games this week, and the Red Wolves still have that opportunity to get into the top four in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament, which would earn them that first-round bye. Yes, and I'll credit uh, Mark Taylor. He's laid out all the scenarios. Oh, yeah, he's good He's at that. great at that. So A-State sitting at sixth. So let's just, for the sake of the conversation, assume you can take care of home and win them both. It's going to get you to nine and six, a 600 win percentage. That's all the number that matters, 600. So if you're sitting in six, that means you got to pass two people to get a buy. So if A-State can get to the nine wins, they'll only need South Alabama to lose a game and Georgia State to lose a game to get a buy. Now there is. You need a, both to happen, though. Yeah, you got to have them both. You got to pass two. Technically, you also can lump in the unlikelihood that Troy would drop both of its games. So there is a path to as high as third. But out of that list, assuming A-State wins two, out of that list of Troy losing two or Georgia State and South Alabama losing one each, you would need two of those three things to happen. Meanwhile, the A-State women played their final home game Saturday against Little Rock, a game in which the Red Wolves led for nearly 30 minutes. Up 13 in the third quarter. And, of course, they were playing without Trinity Jackson, who was injured the week before at Little Rock, but uh, fell short 73-69. to And I know it was just another heartbreaker. So Coach Rogers rolling with her seven right now with Trinity Jackson out. Four of those seven are freshmen. And, man, they played good for such a long stretch of this game. And, had the 10-point lead at halftime, got it to 13, uh, seven-plus-some-odd minutes to go into third, uh, and then went through a big stretch without a bucket. Little Rock went on a run, got back in it. Then you had a dogfight going, and even still got back ahead again, kind of had them on the ropes, and this team went four minutes coming down the stretch without a bucket. And can you credit some of that to Little Rock's defense? Yeah, uh, as always. But, man, they missed some – some chippies along the way too. Got the I mean a lot of times I mean poor old Coach Rogers because they were just getting a lot of times the exact shot you wanted and just needed one more of them to go in along the way and you probably win the game. And then the, a couple of really unfortunate occurrences in the closing seconds from a whistle standpoint. And even on top of that, you know, you, you had the they they had the ball in the front court because the women's game is advanced far enough where you can take a timeout and advance it men's game take notes so i agree with that they, they they had it in the front court two seconds to go down by two and there's an illegal screen called throwing the inbounds now it better that illegal screen better have been set with a louisville slugger <laughs> to make that call right there and uh so you know that kind of i honestly took away you know their last shot at winning the game to be honest with you it was also Morgan Wallace's senior day. She finished with 12 points, eight boards, and three assists. And obviously, uh, she has etched her name in the record books at A-State and has been just oh. such a 
huge part of this program over three different coaching staffs now. Just a huge, just a presence because she's just, she just has this calm demeanor about her. And she, you know, really, honestly, to me, her career in some ways has really sort of mimicked Marquise Eaton's. I mean, they've really done a lot of the same type things. And the fact that they were really good players anyway, had great four-year careers, but now taking advantage of that fifth year have just kept moving up and up these these lists where, I mean, they're going to have their names all over the A-State record books when they get out of here. You mentioned Marquise Eaton. He's in studio with us, and he'll join us next here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Joined now by... Our special guest this week, it's A-State Senior, getting ready to play his final two home games later on this week. It's Marquise Eaton. How you doing, Keese? I'm doing all right. Well, it's good to have you here. And the first thing I asked you when you came in was just kind of about your your parents' travel schedule, because I saw them in the hotel. They were one of the first ones down in the hotel Friday morning in San Marcos. But I imagine between you and your sister... They're logging a whole lot of travel miles right now. Yeah, but the way my schedule set up, it's kind of easier to come to mind. I think my my sister plays on like Tuesdays and Sundays, so you know that's a little tougher than like towards the end of the week. How's it been? Just kind of growing up. It, it seems like I mean, you guys are definitely with you and your sister Alana, who's playing at Arkansas. Certainly a basketball family, but. Were your parents players? How did you kind of get introduced to basketball? My family, not just us, but like in Helena, like my family is like all of them play basketball. Even if they haven't played nowhere, like they they play though, like actively. Not as much now because everybody kind of older. <laughs> but my uh, my uncle, my my dad's, I think second oldest brother, he played at Iowa State. My dad played a little JUCO, and I think it's called Southern. It's down in Alabama, and I got another cousin. We call him uh, Papa Lee. He played D1 somewhere in Iowa. I forgot the name of it. My uncle that's a year older than my dad played a little juco somewhere. It was just like basketball is like, like they're just a given. Like no matter what you do, you probably play basketball. Like if you're a man in my family. You, Not just the men, though, by the way. Ah, yeah, my sister. But she, it's, she might, it's more she men, might though. raise her hand up and say, hey. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. She can ball a little bit, too. Growing up, did she – play one-on-one games with you? When did she start trying to kind of keep up with her big brother? She was playing real young, like four or five, just shooting mostly. That's where it started with her, just playing outside and stuff like that. But she, she like with the one-on-one games, like I like I win every one, but like as soon as she scores, like she won. You know what I'm saying? Like they act like she won. Or she do a good move, she won. Even if she don't make the good move, she like – that's like her championship. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's how I go with the one-on-one. So for the record, she's never won one? No, nah, not, not not like no – I don't even remember like a serious game, like we keeping up score. or But if that's how it always go, how I just told you. If, if we take a score, 
the game will probably end like right so there. So she hits a walk off shot every game. Yeah, like she's good, it's over. Yeah. It's so like she don't really ending. she don't really win, but yeah. it's just like in their mind, like, oh, she made a good move, so it don't even matter. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all she's gonna talk about. Yeah. See, they were the first people using the Elam ending, and Alana was always one bucket away. She hits a bucket, <laughs> she wins. Yeah. So you grow up in Helena. You move after your sophomore season to Jonesboro High School. So talk about that move and you know, what that did for you, kind of helping take you to the next level in the middle of high school, making that move. How did that develop you as a player? I was more like just playing in Helena, like just running around. Like I was good, but like I was just running around, like just playing. like Just something to do. I'm saying like, it's a difference between you just running around and you knowing what you're doing out there. You know what I'm saying? I was mm-hmm. playing. I was scoring all the points. I was still doing all of that. But, like, I started scoring less points at Jonesboro, but I was a better player at Jonesboro. You know what I'm saying? It was Absolutely. just different. Like, I got – like, that was the first time that I got coaching for real. It's ran like a college – before I got to college, I didn't really – I feel like that helped me prepare for college more because, like, the way the, the, way the practices run, it's all on schedule. It's not like – and Helena, we just coming in basically, basically going through a warm up, scrimmaging a little bit. Basically, it was nothing really like just. But when we came to Jonesboro, we actually working on this. We want to do this. We having scout reports. We watching film. We doing this. Like it's active here. It was way different. I mean, it wasn't shocking because I. It was like my first time. I'm like, I was kind of ready for it. So it was like, and then I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about a coach yelling, because. Or where I'm from, like, I don't get rattled by you yelling or <laughs> you. <laughs> like, that, that, that was cool. So, like, that, that was nothing. When you got up here and it's before your junior season, how many of those guys, you know, Jay Adams or Desi, you're rounding down that? Did you know those guys already? You played them in the summer? Nah. Didn't know them? I think I had, I had heard of Dez before because of like the Hawks and stuff. Yeah. I had played with the Hawks like my seventh grade year. Their sixth grade team was. Was liked it like that. That was the team right there. There's a lot of people on that team. Like Reggie, uh, Reggie, he played in the league. Uh, I forgot his last name. He went to Mississippi State. Though. Perry. Yeah, that's him. Around that time, but Reggie wasn't that good yet. He was still little. Yeah. But like, he really the only one that I knew. I didn't know Swift at all. Really, I didn't even when he came up to me. This is a story that people don't really know. We had like a, it's like a divisional game or like one of the games. If you win it, you automatically go to state. I don't know how the breakdown is because it's a little different when you get big. Like when you get to the bigger age, mm-hmm. we was 4A, so we had to go through district and then a region. regionals. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we in like regionals, and we went. We we only have to win one, one game. To you yeah. go to state. So after the game, we lose by a couple points, a couple positions. Swill walk up to me. I guess he introduced himself, but he don't say nothing about Jonesboro. He say wings. He say wings elite. I was like, okay. I was kind of moving fast. There's a lot of people trying to talk to me. I was like, okay, okay. Um, I'm supposed to be already playing for the uh, EYBL team with Antonio. That's the person that I that like recruited me to play for the Wings. So with Swift coming up to me, I still I really didn't think about it. But like the season just over, we just out there talking or whatever. He walked up to me, but it's nothing about Jonesboro. So fast forward like a few months later. We playing now. We playing with the um on the AAU circuit. And uh my mom them before school was out, they came up here to Jonesboro. 
like just to check out the schools and stuff, I guess. But I didn't know they was up here. So it's people texting me from Jonesboro, like on Facebook and just a couple people that got my number that I know from up here. They texted me like, you up here? I was like, I don't even know what y'all talking about. <laughs> like at all. So fast forward after that. I'm, a, I'm playing on the EYBL team, Swift coaching the elite team. That's like one, like we all go to the same places, but we on the bigger, like we go to the um, Peach Jam. They don't, really, they didn't go to Peach Jam, but we go to Peach Jam, stuff like that. But we go into the same places every time. They just in like a little lower division. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's one, it's just one lower. So I walk up to him one day. I was like, uh, by this time we kind of know each other a little bit. So I walk up to him like, uh, you might be getting a new, a new guard come to Jonesboro. He was like, who? I was like, me. But he just brushed it off. He thought I was just playing. And I guess like a, a week or two later, my mom and them like say something to him or get in contact with him. And it's just like I've been coming to Jonesboro ever since. So it wasn't like, it was a couple of people in Helena was like, I got recruited and because my mom had just bought another car, like got a new car. They like, they paid for the car. They <laughs> oh, did, wow. They did that. <laughs> They got. They was like, we got some money. I was like, I wish, I wish I would have got some money. It's amazing how stuff like that kind yeah. of snowballs. But it's crazy. Like it was the, it was opposite. Like they were really moving for me, Fred. Like it was just stuff going on in Helena. Like I wasn't really getting in so much trouble, but it was like I felt like they could see me getting in trouble too easily. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Just like different stuff. Just me being with who I'm with, or just different stuff. So they were thinking like. It was either like Little Rock, Conway, or Jonesboro. You know, Little Rock and Conway right there. So they was like, Jonesboro felt like more of a hometown feel than all of the politics that go on with Little Rock High School basketball and up in their area. So that's really how I got to Jonesboro. It wasn't like I got recruited. It was like they recruited Jonesboro. So you come to Jonesboro, you have a couple of great seasons at JHS. You had the 32-0 team. That's also the first time that you play with Desi. And Desi was here a few weeks ago on this podcast, and he kind of talked about just playing with you. And he kind of mentioned that he sees you as a big brother and, and always has. But when he was deciding to come to Arkansas State this past year, you were a factor in that decision. Kind of talk about you and Desi's relationship. See, I didn't really I didn't really know that. He, matter of fact, he told me that, like, I think we was warming up for South Al or one of them. I was like, what? Because I didn't really think about it like that. He was like, if I if I would have left, he wasn't coming. Kind of yeah. like said it like that. I was he, like, he just said that during pregame warm-ups? I think we was just talking. Not 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 pregame, but like the shoot-around. Shoot-around. Like we was just talking. I guess we was talking about like the season and like how high school was and stuff like that. You know how you just talk before. Just talk because, you know, the shoot-around be kind of laid back. Far as a practice, you know what I'm saying? Where you're at halftime. Like, I think they'll put up like 10 minutes when we walk in. We just shoot and just get loose a little bit. So he kind of told me that I was like, I I had never thought about it. It kind of took me back a little bit. I ain't even played that in in my head that that he thought about that with him coming. So I was just like, I I didn't even know what to think. I was just like, okay. There's some story where. I don't know, did you see him at Fuji or something somewhere along the way in the summer and like, yep. hey, come on in here? I think he had committed to Arbor yep. around that time. Mm-hmm. But then he was like, oh, then he was like, some with his, some with his classes, some his major, stuff didn't yeah. transfer. Some of the yeah. stuff didn't transfer, yeah. And then he was like, um, he was like, yeah, I'm probably, I'm probably going to come to A-State. But he just said this like, you know what I'm saying? It's been talks about 
them trying to talk to him to come in and stuff like that. So I'm thinking like, okay, like, you know what I'm saying? Because I'd have heard it like three, four times. So I'm like, <laughs> all right, we're going to see. About a week later, he commit. They texted me. Uh, I think Coach School had said something to me about it at first. Like, he ended up committing like a week later. I was like, dang. So that was for real. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to go all the way back to, you know, when you came to Arkansas State because you had – Originally committed to Coach McCasland, yeah, correct. So you were coming to Arkansas State, but I remember when Coach Bellato got here, even before he stepped to the podium for that introductory press conference, he met with you before the press conference started. So I guess he kind of made it known that you were a priority to keep you uh, uh, yeah, in yeah. that signing class. Do you remember that first meeting? I- I don't remember what we talked about. Well, I think in the meeting, I think he showed me like I didn't really. Well, it was it's kind of like decommitting. Yeah, basically what I I told him we met with Terry, and Terry was so shocked that I came in there. He was thinking we was coming to try to keep the scholarship or whatever, right? But we was doing the opposite really, because I didn't know Coach Bellato. Like before before I came to college. I wasn't one of them people that, like, had no favorite college, favorite coach. Like, whoever I – like, if I paid attention to you that year, I liked you that – you know what I'm saying? Like, two national championships that I remember watching. Kansas with D-Rose was – Kansas and Memphis when D-Rose was there. And I remember um, when Villanova was first getting, like, good, good. When they played North Carolina, when when Payne, whatever his name – he was a light-skinned left-hand guard from UNC – he had just hit a little clutch, like a he caught it and dude jumped and he went up on him and made the, the long yeah. three. Then they ran the um the little trail play and they hit the game and Villanova ended up in the game winner. That was the only two. So no name in college basketball really meant nothing to me as far as no coach or nothing like that. So I'm not knowing that he coming from Patino. That really don't mean nothing to me because I haven't been Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? Probably if I was in tune with it, it would have been like, oh, yeah, yeah. Patino great and stuff like that. Yeah. But so you didn't know what that meant style of play wise just because. I didn't know. Yeah. I really didn't know nothing. You know what I'm saying? I just knew Grandma Casa because he was on me hard and then he had me looking into this and who he who he had sent to the NBA from Baylor and stuff like that. Yeah. So when I came and met with Terry, it was like it was like we were coming to decommit basically, like, because we wanted to be in control of what what, who could talk to me and stuff like that? With me, with me sitting up under that that um signing a letter of intent, I couldn't. Nobody could reach out to me. But we got it lifted where I'm still signed to them. But uh, I can they, they, they can contact me. Re- they can offer open me up your recruitment. recruitment. Yeah. yeah. So he was so taken back by that. He was like, "Wow, this is the first time this ever happened." Because if I didn't like Bilotto, I was willing to go JUCO. I was gonna bet on myself regardless. Like, that's just how it was. And my ACT, I had already passed, and my grade point average was good. Like, I wouldn't have to sit, but one, I wouldn't have to stay but one year regardless. Or I had other colleges talking to me, but, like, it was kind of late, and I didn't wanna, want them to just take me because I'm at a disadvantage. So they just taking me because they need to fill a roster spot. I know I'm pretty good, but they haven't been recruiting me because sometimes it'd be like, like, they want you, but they don't recruit you because they feel like they can't get you. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I didn't want them to be, like, no roster spot field or nothing like that. And Terry was just like, wow, like, this is the first time this ever happened. So I think Bellotto, after that, I met with Bellotto. He showed me something with Terry. So I'm like, okay, that's cool. 
then we actually came to when he spoke the first time when he got like now, introduced. You were at the press. I was conference. at the press conference. Me and my mom. Matter of fact, and all the A State fans. When I walked in and sat down, I walked in before him. I walked in and sat down. Everybody just got up and started clapping. Yeah, I was so confused. I remember that. I was that. like, "What? <laughs> I ain't think I ain't know who what they were clapping for." <laughs> I look around like, what? <laughs> "What? What are we clapping for?" I think I started clapping too. I'm like, <laughs> then, then my mom was like, "They clapping for you, crazy." I was like, "Oh, okay." Then I saw the little tweets later. Then I really realized that then Bellotto came. But he made your priority from yeah, the start, yeah, though. Sure. I mean, he even did. before he stepped to that podium, he wanted to meet with you. Yeah, he met with me first. Because I think after we met with him, Devin Sims was coming in to meet with him. Like, we ran into him, like, walking out mm. walking out the door. We, yeah, Sims, Sims was already here with yeah, the previous Sims was, team. Yeah, but he met with me. He had mm-hmm. my meeting. Then I guess Sims was next, so I'm... I'm leaving out of the like where the arena is. You know where we park it. I'm leaving out of there, and he walking in. And I had already been talking to him before. So him and my mom, they they was talking, and he was like, I'm trying to see. He going to see what he talking about and all that. You know, the host will get a fill out for him. And then me and Bilotto had been talking for like, see, one thing I liked about Bilotto, though, he wanted to do his job, and he knew I was going to make him do his job, like far as recruiting. Like he knew that he didn't expect me he didn't expect me to just like him in one day or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he didn't feel entitled for me to just like him. He's willing to build that relationship. He, yeah, he wanted me to. I know he got that vibe, like, because if I don't know you, I'm really not going to be uh, like, I'm going to like shake your hand, be respectful. But it's not going to be like, oh, what's up, my guy? Like, you know what I'm saying? You probably didn't feel that. Y'all probably didn't feel that, like. Me knowing y'all more, and I just come up. What's up with it? What you what you got going? Instead of he, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's different. Like you can feel the difference. You so, can feel the difference. You know what I'm saying? So and he, you build that relationship over time. So he he ended up like through all this. He ended up. I had got a little job at American Eagle in the mall. How about that? He came up there and saw me. I don't know how he knew I was working. He probably talked to somebody or something, but. I was I was working there for about like a month, and then some days like I only worked like two days a week. So he just he had to know that I was in there. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't nobody saw me and when it told him. <laughs> so he came up there. He came up there and talked to me. I was like, okay, okay. Then a couple like then we got to talking, and then probably like a couple weeks after that, I committed back, and then we've been rolling there since. Your relationship has certainly been something over the years with coach Pilato and being with him the last five seasons you've mentioned it before I know one night you know, we talked about it at the coaches show coach Pilato talked about it on this podcast a few weeks ago I love the comparison of Greg Popovich and Tony Parker how their relationship was when he was when Tony Parker was a young player how that relationship just grew over the years. They were together for so long. You kind of see the parallels in that relationship too, don't you? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, like I be trying to tell, like people on the team now, you know, they go through rough patches. They might not play as much. But coming in, them coming in with me, it looked like I just been doing this the whole, like I'm playing at this level. It it seemed like I've been doing this the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you get confused, like not confused, but you just ignorant to the fact of what, because you weren't here, so you don't really know. Like it's been ups and downs. It's been times where I felt like I should have been playing more, or 
I've been out. I didn't play this half, this whole half. I didn't play. But then the, the flip side to that is they didn't see you pay your dues. They didn't see that. I mean, I didn't really go through that much of that, but I went through that. So, but Coach Casey said something to me like, I think it was after my freshman year. He was like, um, he don't really like starting freshman. I was like, why you say that? He was like, um, because they're fire. Like he throw them into the fire, and they don't succeed or it go really bad, really quick, it can mess with their confidence. Like, they, he'll rather just build up. So that's how I got to start App State. Like, I had been playing good, but it was like, maybe we should just start them right here. It wasn't the first conference game, but it, it, was, it was a conference game the first time I started, though. It was App State at App State. We opened up a big lead on them. I mean, they come back a little bit, but we were leading by, like, 25 at the half. And then I'm older now, so it's more like, it's more like treating somebody like a son, then you treat them like they're your nephew, like you the cool uncle with your nephew. You know what I'm saying? It's more that. Well, I mean, you guys have just been together so much over the last five years. I mean, it does evolve into that kind of relationship. Yeah. And sometimes I sometimes I come down, like he'll be about to say something. I just like, I, I, I told him. I told him, like, really, we're like, like this weekend, he was he was going to yell at Malcolm for not shooting one time. I was like, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. I just told him, I told him the same thing, don't worry about it. Because, like, you know. Well, and, and, and that last minute of the game Saturday at UTA just seemed like it took forever. There was that's what I said, so many fouls. And I, and I saw you kind of walk over to him and say, okay, we got this, coach. Yeah, you know, but but you kind of expect it out because we, we lost three straight. So we just trying to win. <laughs> like, I didn't care. I didn't care if I had one point. Long as we win, I didn't care if we won by half a point. That's what I was telling them. I thought I heard somebody talking about stats or, or them scoring at the end. I was like, I was like, bro, we're not worried about that. I don't care if we ended up winning by two. We had won in three games and lost the last four out of five. Why why are we tripping about all that? We just need to win. Need to win and get it back rolling going into this conference tournament. Well, it was a big win Saturday. I do kind of want to go back though to Thursday night because I know that was a frustrating night at Texas State. And then after the game, you guys had a long team meeting yeah. in the locker room and Coach Pilato talked about it. He he stood up and he said, look, it's on me. This he tried to take the blame. Kind of. Yeah, kind of. But then, the, and I'm trying to get to the point where some of you guys stood up and said, hey, this is on us. And you've got that accountability from the players with this team. Yeah, because it was like it wasn't about no play calling, none of that. It was like we weren't really guarding. Really? It's a real off night if we not guarding. That, that's like we wasn't guarding, so it was like, yeah, we, it was like we got punked. That's how all of us felt kind of. <laughs> like they was just scoring. Like, we went up on the ball screens. We went loaded. We went rotating. Like, it was just, you know how one of them games, it was just like, it started off all right, but then it was just like, it just kept going. Then kind of went, snowballed. Yeah, we went running the offense how we were supposed to run it. It was just different stuff. So, we started the next, like, we got it, we left that alone. Matter of fact, when we go to film, we show good and bad, right? This game, it was just all bad. <laughs> it was just... We, he showed our 21 turnovers, and he showed um, – it wasn't that really many that just bad. It was just, like, those plays that we, like, usually make. Like, so it's just not criticism. It's like, come on. Like, it was, like, basically him challenging us. Like, this is what we do. This is what, this is what we 
this is what we do. Then he showed this was something he did too. He showed, you know, before the game, ESPN put the uh, keys to victory for both sides. I didn't. I just found out that I thought the like the announcers and stuff just come up with it themselves, but it's actually like the other like coaches. I didn't know that. Like sometimes they'll talk with the coach and shoot like, around or something. Yeah, I didn't know that. Sometimes, but yeah. I always see y'all talking and stuff. But I yeah. never knew. Like I just thought that was just for you or just I didn't know that. Like they put that on the TV. I just thought that's what whoever like running the program do. Yeah, it was something about toughness, out tough, be match their physicality and stuff like that. He was like, if if these teams see that and they fear how physical and how hard knows y'all, like, y'all gotta use that to y'all advantage. Y'all gotta be. Y'all got to know y'all identity and personify that every day. Don't just, one day I'm going to be tough, one day I'm I'm just letting it go. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was just like, get back to being consistent and doing the little stuff. He got this little saying, do the little things in an extraordinary way. It's, it goes something like that. But basically, he's just saying, like, all the little stuff adds up to be something big and good. I, I, I want to, we're bouncing around a little bit. So I want to hear, because... I, I want to work toward kind of you talking about your career and what lies ahead in it in a bit. But so we talk about these last two years, because I'm guessing you're like everybody else. They signed this kid from Miami prep and, and this kid from Nicaragua, and he's putting up ridiculous numbers at prep school. But you're all like, well, you know, OK. I mean, you don't know who they're playing, this, that and the other. Yeah, I did send me some film, but I didn't really know his stats and stuff. So but I just knew he was coming though. I had seen mm-hmm. a little film. It was like the stuff he was he just looked a little raw to me, but overly athletic. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, but I knew he was gonna play hard. So that's all that's all I'll be looking for, really. And like the bigs and stuff. Just play hard and just, you know what I'm saying? Get rebounds, be tough, basically. Well, I mean, I, I think it'll answer this question. You ever played with anybody that just has a nose for every rebound like that? No. Not no, nah, not close. Probably the closest probably would be Jay. Both of them undersized. Jay was just, yeah, like far as a high school level. Yeah. But Jay couldn't do what he's doing right here on this on the college level. He couldn't do it. But nah, not even close. Norte had different. Didn't he have like a twenty he done had like a twenty and twenty five game here? He had a twenty three, twenty six game. Yeah. Like, nah, nobody doing that. That's like Kevin Love number. <laughs> you remember Kevin Love was yeah. crazy like that? Like 30-30 games and yeah. stuff like that? People forget that about Kevin Love, too. When you get out of here, you will have played more games than anybody in A-State history. And, you know, we've talked a little bit about the numbers, but, I mean, your fifth all-time in points at A-State, have a chance to move as high as fourth, 40 points away from fourth, third in assist, only behind Chico Fletcher and Carl Archer, which are some big names in A-State history, sixth in steals. Is there anything you're most proud of in your time at A-State? Probably, like, once we win this year, that'll probably be my proudest moment. Like winning the tournament, winning the Sun Belt tournament, because the stats and stuff, it wasn't like I was. You know how people like I'm gonna get my thousand points tonight or this and that. I never, I never was thinking about no points or assists, rebound. That stuff just came. So that's just how I looked at it. Like you can still, you can still see now. If I'm not doing media, I really don't check the stats like that. Somebody they'll come up to tell me, and then I look. But like far as just like we won, and then. You know it was what? a good win. I don't check. I really don't check the stats at all. There, there's a lot of guys that, that might say that, but I actually believe it with you because you've always 
anytime I've mentioned something like that over the years or something is brought up by somebody else, it doesn't seem like you knew anything about any of these milestones. It's You're going to go out there and do whatever you can to help the team. Yeah, see, most of the stuff come out on Twitter. That's how that's how most of like my mom <laughs> anymore, yeah. Like my mom and and whoever else looking like that'll tell me stuff. I got a cousin named Scott. He be like he be on everything. Like, them two, they tell me stuff like I guess they see it on Twitter or they send it to each other. But I don't my Twitter like the notifications don't really pop up. So it'll be like all the ads and stuff cuz like my mom used to get on me about like not responding to like with, I mean, like Coach Swift and stuff like that when they be on Twitter, but I really didn't see it at all because it didn't pop up. So I'm not seeing this stuff for real. Like, if then they'll say something, I'll be like, what you talking about? So if they're tweeting, yeah, I get you. If, if they're just tweeting about you but not at you, you're not seeing it because you're not looking. Yeah, I'm not even, I don't really be on Twitter. Yeah. Like, Twitter just for basketball for me, really. Like, <laughs> just for like little stuff you got to do on there. Just look on there and retweet this and something like that. Or somebody asked me to tweet something. I might do it, stuff like that. But I don't really be – I'm not active on there. I'm not really active on social media like that, really. You're getting ready this week, as we we record this, to play your final two home games. But Friday night, playing that last game, have you thought about playing on the home floor for the last time? Kind of. It was just it, – like what I think about it, I was like it just, it just happened fast. Like they don't realize how fast it goes. Cause like I remember being a freshman and and Rashad and, and this Rashad. is even the guy saying that and you're saying that you, and you got an extra year out of it and yeah. you still you get to play five and you're still talking about how fast yeah. it goes yeah because like this season for sure this season's probably went the fastest because I guess because we was winning like it was a lot of winning going on when you lose and you kind of think about oh <laughs> it goes a little bit longer it goes a little bit longer like <laughs> we started losing and then like when Rashad like I I, I really remember like. He was like, you will see. He was like, um, you will be where I'm at right now. You go fast. I remember him telling me that. You talking about Rashad Lindsey? Rashad Lindsey, yeah. yeah. I was like, I didn't really pay. Now, you know, you're not really mm-hmm. paying it on mine because you, you still, I was still a freshman. He's like, you will see. You will be where, right where I'm at right now. But now looking back on it, I was like, yeah, you're right because it did go fast. Like, And then with, with us losing, like when us having them losing, like we going through all that losing – that's why I be telling them, like, I guess they be kind of looking at me like when I don't be, like, really down about – I care about every game, but I be like, I really got that next game mentality because – like, I talk about it after, but, like, when it's done, it's done. Because I, I, I tell them – I try to tell them, like, bro, y'all don't know, like, this season been good because, bro, we done went through so much – like, me and Coach Blotter have been through way worse seasons than this. I remember uh, my junior year, we starting out so good, 92, something like that. We hit this stretch, bro. We went on a nine-game losing streak. I be like, bro, y'all, like we, it was a time like what three games ago before we lost to, but before we lost to South Al, we hadn't lost two in a row. So I'm like, bro, y'all just chill out about the loss. Like we gonna we gonna learn something from it and bounce back because y'all don't know like coming from nine games a nine-game losing streak, bro. That barely happened in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So y'all just like just focus and just come back and just bounce back again because we use we usually good bounce back team. South Al, we got smacked, we hurt. Yeah, that you know just yeah, different stuff. It's, it's tough when you're down one. three yeah. starters. Yeah, so and really three and a half considered you know, no more than Norchad played. It's kind of easy to set the South Alabama yeah. one off to the side. 
You look at the last five years, though, and there has been a steady improvement throughout on the floor as far as win-loss record. And obviously, this is the best team that you played on this season. But as far as just the culture itself that Coach Bellato has tried to kind of implement here, I mean, have you seen a difference from year one to year five? Yeah, and then you see a difference in him, too, like – like, people think he animated now, but he really done calmed down a lot. It's just certain stuff that, like, you know what I'm saying? When you come in building a culture, culture you feel like you got to be kind of hard-nosed, a little more hard-nosed. It just depends, you know what I'm saying, on the players. So it's just, like, certain stuff you try to implement. Like, it's not going to come across with you being so soft. And then, like, you just – he already animated. Like, that's his personality mm-hmm. anyway. Like, you just talk to him. Like, he just exciting. Like, he just – just all over the place, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can see, like, it's a conscious effort. Like, sometimes practice don't go as, as good. But I but see, that's the thing about me. I done been here since he been here. So I know, I know them times where he felt like practice didn't go good. and But us not being, a, like, a good team on paper, he going to make us come back at 9 o'clock for real and come practice again. But, see, with this team, it's like, okay, we going to – do this and do that. He might threaten it. He might threaten to do that, but he know this team going to be there to play. He know we going to – and he know if, we, if he felt like we didn't practice good the next time, we he know that it's going to be a big change in the pra- just the practice, not a game. Like he know we going to come in here more focused just because he felt like that. It's mm-hmm. just different stuff that go into building that culture and just making it like longevity of it. You want to go on. You want to win a conference tournament now, but – you can tell with this team that there is something different. I mean, and even with the three-game losing streak, I'm sure Saturday and the win at UTA kind of got you guys pointed back in the right direction. Yeah, that that's, that was the whole thing, just come out here with a win, Don't no matter how we get it. Because if you really look at it, we were really supposed to blow UTA out. If you really look at it, two for 20, for three, we don't even take 23, so then – I think they said like seventeen were like wide open. Yeah, that we just missed. So that's but, yeah, that's what yeah he's a seven yeah two for seventeen and what they considered wide open threes. But see, when you shooting like that, like if you not making shots, it usually derail your defense. But we just picked it up defense more. Just kept getting stops, kept doing this. Then when they went zone, we just really North Chad, North if really North Chad and Twan played big parts in this game by hitting all those those little mid range shots. Yeah. And we just stayed the course, just kept guarding. Like that that that's the stuff that I like. Like we having an off we having an off night, but we still guarding. We still executing the scout every single position. Like every position we trying to execute the scout. We not closing that hard on none shooters and stuff like that. Like so that's just about getting back on the right track, getting a little swagger back and just playing how we play. Defense travels. Ah oh, yeah. That's what they say. Yeah. So uh Hopefully there's a, a lot of basketball left, but when it's done here, I mean, it, I would think there's no doubt you want to go keep playing, right? Yeah, I probably um, figure out the agent. I mean, it's a lot of agents that, like, follow me and a couple of them contact me, stuff like that. But, you know, I just talked to Coach Bilotto, talked to my parents about, like, um, just what to look for and singling out who I should make a decision to go with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know – like, my parents have, like, a personal relationship with, like, Marcus Monk. Like, my dad texts him. He texts him right back. Like, not within 
a couple of days, like a couple of minutes, he probably gonna, <laughs> gonna take some back in. Like I had went down there after the season this year, I went to Miami for a couple of days and worked out with um they had like they little group of who they have and stuff like that. Just like not not with teams, but like they just at a spot. Like they just based in Miami. So they yeah. just bring them there, put them with a trainer and just work them out. Every like just their everyday routine. So I worked out with them. Me and Coach Eon were down there. I was like, like I really ain't I really ain't far off. Like, like the first day was a little adjustment just because I hadn't been working out like that. I was kinda winded and stuff. But the next day, the next day we got to playing like four on four and three on three. I, I had most of the points. So I was like, I ain't really far off. You know what I'm saying? And I was playing with a I was playing with two people that got drafted. Um dude named Marcus. He got a real long last night. So I don't really know that. He came from Creighton. <laughs> <laughs> and this um six nine, he's six nine, he actually went like in the lottery, number fourteen. Uh, his name Trey something. He went to the New Orleans Pelicans though. But he was six nine, athletic, can shoot. I was like, yeah, I, that was the one that I was like, he gonna get drafted. Like I, I knew he was getting drafted. <laughs> but uh like a few days later, I think K came down there, K Cunningham, they had him. Oh wow. And they had um they had Ayo DeSanyo. Something like that. He played for he from Chicago. He went to Illinois. Yeah, they had them down there. So I was like, yeah, this I could do this right here. Like I like this. Like the just the workout setting and just being competitive at the end and stuff like that. I was like, I'm not that far off from these guys though. Like I felt like it was one guard that was like, like he just more in shape than me, kinda. You know what I'm saying? And that was Marcus. Marcus tough. But everybody else, I felt like I was better than them. Like, right then, as I was right now, if I went to a workout, I was going to look better than them. That's how I felt. So I was like, I'm not far off from them. So. But Trey Murphy was the yeah. you have 17th pick of the draft. 17. I knew he went a, a, yeah. like right at the lottery yeah. or a little bit right there, after. Yep. He, he was the one that I knew, though, he was leaving. So that was – so after that, I was like, yeah, I could really do this probably. You, you kind of feel like you good, but then – but if you – but once you see some people on, like, that level or they supposed to be – be good, then you can really compare yourself, like how far you are for what you need to work on, stuff like that. And then after basketball, after a professional career, what do you see yourself doing? Like businesses. like with, um, Could you see coaching at any point? If I'm rich already. <laughs> <laughs> like, for real. Like, because I feel like... <laughs> I feel like with the coaching, I feel like I'll be able to do it better. I feel like it'll have to be something I want to do, not It'll like be a my passion project. Not like my my livelihood got to depend on it. That's how I feel. Like, well, I think you could just, and this is a compliment to you because it's something Coach Pilato has talked about too. You have a very high basketball IQ. You understand the game on a really high level, which I think would help you make. A good coach. Yeah, they they tell me that, and I tell them the same thing. I'll be like, I have to have some real money first. I feel like where, like I might want to coach high school. I might want to do this or do that. You know what I'm saying? But my lifestyle wouldn't change because I'm a coach. Or I don't want to have the pressure on me that I got to rely on this. I want to run it my way, how I want to do it, like wins a lot. You know what I'm saying? Everything going to be on how I want to do it, not because I got to listen to the AD. He going to – he might fire me because it is this and that. Okay, if you don't like the way I'm doing it, you can fire me. That's how I'm, that's how I want to go about coaching, <laughs> for real. You want to so, coach, and then it's but no you want to have a little security. Yeah, there's no pressure on me then. Like I can All just right. coach how I want to. Man, this has been fun. 
Glad you came by today. It, it's been fun these last five years watching you grow as a player, as a person, and um, man, good luck the rest of the way. Hope, hopefully you. you're cutting those nets down in Pensacola here uh, in the yeah, next couple of weeks. Right All right, that's Marquise Eaton joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. More to come right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. A busy week in A-State athletics, and do want to mention first that the baseball season got underway over the weekend at Samford, a good Samford team that was receiving votes in the preseason polls. A-State dropping a heartbreaker in the opener, 9-8, to eight. then they lost the last two games Saturday and Sunday. They'll try again for their first Victory coming up on Tuesday afternoon, four o'clock first pitch at Ole Miss. Then allegedly, uh, yeah, as weather, we sit here, weather not looking good as we <laughs> sit here. But we went over there last year with a very similar looking <laughs> yeah. forecast and actually started on time and got the game in with no problem. So we'll see. And, and then uh, hosting UAPB this weekend at Tomlinson Stadium, Friday at four, Saturday at two, and Sunday at one the start times the bowling team hosted their midwinter invitational presented by calmer solutions over the weekend they finished third in that tournament but a big milestone for our buddy justin costick uh the sixth bowling coach in ncaa history to reach 1000 career wins yeah uh, that's a uh, quite a mark and again short list there's really not a whole lot else to say about the job he's done here keeping a state at a national level in fact elevating it to you know really one of the premier programs in the country so you always say this is a program that's literally done everything but one thing and that one thing's coming i I don't know when i have zero doubt that one thing's coming that national championship uh, will be won, and heck maybe this is the team that does it the a state track and field team with a big uh, big week they're in birmingham Competing in the Sunbelt Indoor Championships, both the men and women looking for their third straight indoor team titles. And, of course, basketball happening this week. The men are at home playing their final two games at First National Bank Arena. They'll host Coastal Carolina Wednesday at 7, App State Friday at 7. We talked about the scenarios earlier, but... Senior day coming up, Marquise Eaton, Christian Willis, going to be honored before the game on Friday night. We expect Mike Bellotto to be emotional yeah. before the game, during the game, and after the game. <laughs> and hopefully in a good way every single time. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, and I could get it. I mean, in your first head coaching job at this level and you're getting to your – your first senior day with the guys that started with you, you know, COVID stretched that out a year. So, uh, it's such as one more year of relationship building with those guys. And so I, I get it. I can imagine that this is, uh, uh, an emotional thing for coach Bellotto to think about sort of his first two guys that have been with him from the get go 
playing their last time in Jonesboro. Meanwhile, the women at 11 and 14 overall now, 4 and 8 in league play. They're currently in 8th place in the Sunbelt standings. Still plenty of maneuvering that can happen on the women's side, just like the men's. But uh, they wrap up the regular season on the road. Texas trip this week. They'll be at Texas State Thursday at 7, and then Saturday, a 2 o'clock tip at Texas Arlington. And I just, I mean, no, no disrespect to either of the Texas teams. But dadgummit, I just want this team to get some wins coming in. Whether that's some this weekend and to certainly get string some together down in Pensacola, they deserve it. These, I mean, they've, they've gone through a whole heck of a lot, and they just refuse to quit, and they keep kind of getting right there and having it snatched away. And so you know, they, they've earned some wins coming down the stretch, and I hope they, they still get there. All right. It's been an action-packed episode. We appreciate Marquise Eaton for coming by. Really enjoyed our visit with him. Anything you need to vent about before we get out of here? No, I thought it may be about the uh, women's game on Saturday, but once we talked about it, I navigated <laughs> through that better than I had thought. It it it, it puts you in a challenging spot uh, as the uh, – the as the TV TV announcer, um, and, and it's really, it's not even to me so much the the two fouls a state got called on it, and really technically I guess a state was probably called for three fouls in the last three seconds of the game. That didn't bother me as so much to the fact that, and this would be the same in any game. It it just seemed like the two halves were called differently from one another. Uh, Little Rock and Arkansas State both you know, worked through a lot of fouls called in the first half. A lot of fouls called in the first quarter. I mean, I think A-State shot maybe nine or ten free throws in the first quarter. And then the second half got to the bonus again. And then it's like the second half rolled around and they just stopped calling fouls. I don't know that Little Rock may have been called for two or three fouls the whole second half. And we know a Joe Foley team didn't change the way they play defense. Right, they locked in and guarded the sure. same way in the second half they did in the first. So uh, that was uh, that's always interesting when we see that happen. Where it just feel like two halves get called differently. Now, in the end, again, still had that uh, stretch there late in the game where you just couldn't get a bucket to go, and that ends up telling the tale more than you know either anything that kind of happened from the fishing standpoint. But it's just it's it's hard to navigate your way through when. You go play 20 minutes one way and then come out and play the next 20 with something else, something that may have been a foul in the first 20, not being all of a sudden. And and, and I say both teams dealt with that. Yeah, and on the men's side, I mean, I watched two games this past week that were just called completely different. You know, at Texas State, I think there were a combined 48 foul calls, 56 free throws, and of course the game just drags that way. And then we – Go to Arlington on Saturday, and there's hardly anything being called <laughs> until UTA starts committing fouls on purpose in the final two minutes. And those final, you know, 90 seconds to two minutes just seemed to take forever. It seemed like that took longer than the rest of the game. It was interesting in the women's game because, like, you would have gotten, you, you would have gotten frustrated a lot with how many fouls there were so early in the game. Except for, you know, from an Arkansas State standpoint, you start thinking, well, you know, Points are hard to come by when you're playing Little Rock. Plus, 
statistically, they're not a very good free throw shooting team, and Arkansas State's a really good free throw shooting team. So you're like, well, you know, maybe they don't mind so much. You know, they they would like to get out and and speed the game up, but they can shoot a bunch of free throws. That's probably okay too. And like I said, and they 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 made hay at the free throw line, but it seemed like in the second half, fourth quarter especially, just had a hard time getting there. We always appreciate you joining us. For Brad, I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.